Welcome to the Meditation Conversation. You are listening to Karan Alessandra. Hi friends, today we're very honored to have Christine Earthheart with us on the podcast. She is the founder of Joy Potential. She is passionate about helping people to cultivate true and lasting happiness from within. And she also teaches Reiki hands-on healing, and she really loves to help people awaken their healing gifts. She's also the CEO of Center for Thriving Relationships, which she has together with her husband. And she loves helping couples deepen their connection with each other and to create that love together that he always wanted. And most of all, she shares just finding the pathway that exists between every human heart and discovering ways to reconnect people to the light that is within all of us. And for me, this is the first time I uh, connect with uh, Christine, but Cara and Christine, you know each other from before. So maybe Cara, you wanna yes. fill us in how you yes. two know each other. It's so exciting to have you. Thank you so much for being on. Such an honor. Yeah. I Christine. wish we had a video on actually so I we know. could see. I Christine know. She is so full of light. Um, <laughs> she's my Reiki teacher. So I um, became a Reiki master last year. And um, it was really funny because I actually didn't have an intention of becoming a Reiki healer. Um, what had happened was I'm creating this retreat, um, in Story, Indiana, which is kind of near where you are, Christine. Um, and I was looking for a Reiki practitioner because we have different healing modalities that we're doing. And so I was asking around and every time I asked somebody around here, um, if they know of a Reiki practitioner, they were like, you should connect with Christine Earthheart. I, she might not be able to do it, but she would know. And so I, um, you and I are also connected because we're both, uh, teachers for, um, Lily Kessler's yoga teacher training, 500 hour. So we are, um, we know each other through that. And Lily was one of the people who, who told me about you in the beginning. And then another place where I teach, uh, Wendy Cooper, then who has also been a student of yours. I had the same conversation with her and um, and then I met with my reflexologist who does Reiki and and I and she mentioned you as well. And finally, I was like, <laughs> OK, universe, I hear you. <laughs> and so I looked at your website really just to see if you had like a list of practitioners or something. And I started reading about Reiki and your magnetism just drew me right in. And I was like, hey, maybe I want to learn Reiki. <laughs> and so I was like you had some training coming up and I was like, I really want to meet her and I want to learn this because one of the things we can talk about, we don't need to talk about that right now, but Reiki is for anybody. And when I was looking for a practitioner, I kind of thought, oh, somebody who's been gifted with the Reiki, you know, gene or <laughs> something <laughs> vibration. And, um, and so one of the things that you make clear on your website is this is a something that is accessible to anybody. You just have to tap into it. And um, so I was like, oh, wow, the potential is within me, too. Um, and so yeah. I went on in your training and it was 
just amazing. I mean, it really far exceeded anything I was expecting. And, um, and Al Sanders, right. I wish that people could see you too, because you are so full of light. It was like, I would, um, be participating in class, like listening to you, um, you know, your, your present, your lecture, I suppose. Um, and I would almost be waiting for you to just kind of gently levitate, uh, you know, and then just sort of float away because you're so ethereal and, and just this beautiful being of light. And um, and what's interesting with it, though, is that I don't want that to misrepresent also your groundedness, you know, because you that makes it kind of sound like you're spacey and you're like everything was so organized and well thought out and like flowed really, really well. So it was just such a wonderful blessing and mix of, of every chakra. <laughs> They're all, they were all lined up. <laughs> it was really beautiful. So thank you so much for being here. And, um, and I just thought it'd be great for us to get to know you and hear your story um, you can talk talk us through Reiki and talk us through joy potential. Um, mm -hmm. You have this beautiful TED Talk where you've done, um, I loved the experiment that you did that you talk about in your <laughs> TED Talk, so I welcome you to talk about that and um, whatever you feel inspired to. So welcome. Mm -hmm. oh, thank you both so much for all of your kind and loving and generous words and for all you do. And I'm just so grateful and honored to be here with you. And I wish everyone could see the two of you because the first thing I said when I hopped on with you is, oh my goodness, you're two luminous souls. Oh, um, it's you. just what a, oh, what a precious gift to connect. So thank you so much. And I'm so grateful for all the different people that came together to help us find each other's hearts on this planet. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So let's talk about joy potential. So I encourage everybody to go and we'll have a link to your site um, with the show notes um, and they can access your wonderful TED Talk. But you've put a lot of research into how the into joy, into tapping the potential within everybody to feel joy, to connect with their um, with their highest purpose. And um, and you also did some introspection and some experimentation within yourself to to figure out if there was, if, if you just have a really easy life and that's why you're so joyful or if there was more to it. So can you talk us through that? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for asking. So yeah, joy potential. Uh, I, I have, have felt called to really share with people how to, you know, on a kind of neuroscience level, how to really wire our brains towards happiness, but also how to, on a spiritual level, just really reclaim and remember and come home to the light within us. So I came to it because as an adult, I, there are three questions that I just noticed that I was getting asked again and again in my life. And people oftentimes ask me like, have you always been this happy? And if they meet my parents, they'll inquire into like, what was she like as a kid? And, and what and are those answers? Have yes. you, have you always been so happy? I, I have not. That's like a pretty easy one for me to answer. So 
Um, I mean, my life has been very blessed in so many ways, and I've struggled with the human experience just like we all have. Um, I used to be a perfectionist growing up and was afraid to make a mistake and challenging things happened um, like they do for all of us. And I didn't always know how to respond to them in a way that um, opened up pathways for happiness. And so that I kind of chose the route that perpetuated greater suffering. Um, I let fears get in the way. So many things. Um, so no, I did not just like come out of the womb laughing or <laughs> just, like, I wasn't born into perpetual joy. Um, and then people oftentimes ask too, like, are you always this happy? Uh, and that one's easy for me to answer too. So that's, um, I, joy really is, it's the container that really does hold my life in many ways. I um, sincerely experience a great amount of joy and I am a wholehearted advocate for honoring all of our feelings. Um, I love the analogy that all of our feelings flow through the same faucet. So if we shut off the faucet because we don't want to feel or be present with our frustration or grief or sadness, um, whatever it may be, we really shut off the pathway for joy. So I have fallen so in love actually with my emotions because now when I'm having a feeling, I like want to go sit in a chair and, or sit at my meditation cushion and be present with it because when I turn towards whatever it is, there is just like the most loving nugget of gold and wisdom there um, ultimately to learn from, to grow into, and to kind of realign with some part of me um, that wants to be heard and seen. So mm-hmm. uh, I love the the full breadth of the human experience and emotions. And the third question, though, that I would get is, how are you so happy and full of joy? Um, I would get this at the grocery checkout and really? our <laughs> postal carrier. They're like, I've never in all my years, every time I deliver a package, you just are so full of joy. How do you do that? Or um, my dental hygienist, or I just noticed like my car mechanic, these like people that I would visit and friends and family. And I, for years, this is a question I received and I would usually just respond with like, there's just so much to be grateful for in every moment. Um, and that was so sincere. And I just felt this longing inside of me to offer a fuller response to that question. And I felt in them, like when they were asking, it wasn't just, um, it wasn't a light question. I, I felt the hunger inside of them to know, like, is that possible? And how do I feel that as well? And so I decided to set out on this self-study to really look at my life to see, like, how do I experience this amount of joy? And um, so I, I had a journal devoted to this practice to do for a year, and it was about probably 10 years ago now. And I started to study my life day in and day out. And there was a part of me that felt guilt for it or wondered if I was just somehow really lucky, like if things always went my way. And what I discovered very quickly into this is that um, challenging things happen um, in all of our lives. In the first month, one of my very best friends who'd been living with our family for five years was diagnosed with lung cancer um, and died just a few weeks later in his early 50s. Mm-hmm. And we were in a terrible car accident, my, um, my husband, son, and I and um, our dog needed like two multi-thousand dollar surgeries that we weren't expecting. And that was literally the first month wow. of the self-study. And so, uh, of course, I experienced, you know, sadness and all of the emotions around that. And I also felt this unshakable peace and happiness inside of me. And so I was relieved to discover that it wasn't just because things always went my way. Um, and so I continued to look at things throughout the year. And I just noticed that there were some practices that I was so fortunate to have learned and just discovered 
over the years that really brought me back home um, to my heart and to um, the ability we have to really access the joy within us, the joy that's available all around us. And that became my passion to really help people um, just experience a whole lot less unnecessary suffering and a whole lot more um, joy and love. And joy for me, it just like it opens our hearts so much and it allows us to really receive this incredible gift of life that we're given. And that's a commitment I have just to be a steward of this great gift of life and to really use it to best love and serve the world. And so I love that it opens our hearts to one another, that it really um, taps us into why we're really here. It gives us energy. It's like so much springs forth from joy, our aliveness, our purpose, our love for one another. So it's not just about joy. It's like all that comes forth from that state of joy. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's I'm a little, yeah, go ahead. No, I, I just had to say, like, I, I feel it now. I hope it translates into just the audio version too. I mean, just connecting with you. Uh, I just feel the joy expanding. It's so contagious. Um, <clears throat> Absolutely. And, uh, but what I was thinking about, I mean, I watched your TED talk as well. And uh, I was actually, when I was watching that, something happened in my life, which kind of drew me into a little bit of sorrow. I was uh, yeah, sad over something, which, because I felt like, well, you know, life shouldn't be this way. I would rather want it to be this way. And, uh, and then listening to, I mean, the yogic path me and Cara follow is, it says the same thing. You can choose joy, but sometimes that's like a little bit provoking. It's like, choose joy. Like, have you seen my life? Have you seen what I'm dealing with? <laughs> and because I think some people listening in might feel that, you know, you're in the middle of this like big life storm. And then someone says, well, choose joy. And that can be like, uh, okay, <laughs> sounds very easy. But like, what does that actually mean? What, what, what would you, what do you share with people that, that you help and serve? Yeah, it's such a beautiful question. So, um, so that sadness, I think having moments where we can, which is why meditation is um, so near and dear to my heart. So it's how we are with these feelings. So it's very easy if we're feeling some sort of upset to kind of unconsciously be with it and to run a story around it, like life isn't fair or this shouldn't be happening or to engage in conversations that maybe we don't show up really from our hearts because we haven't consciously taken the time to really be with what's really going on for us. So the sadness is so valid or whatever it is that we're feeling. And um, for me, and when I support people, it's about pausing to really tune into that sadness and really be with it and hear what's really going on. Because so often we're um, not upset for the reason that we think we are. And so to really be with it. And if that if that sadness was sort of our ally and was here for us and for our healing, it's like what kind of love or attention is that sadness wanting from us? Um, what like wants to be heard, what needs healing? And um, so to be with it and really hear it and befriend it um, and see if there's anything even deeper underneath that. So I work with couples a lot and I see this a lot, you know, in our relating to one another or just like how we um, perhaps we feel anger, but underneath it, we're just really afraid or really embarrassed or really ashamed or whatever it might be. So when we, I find like just getting quiet to really be what's what, what is really there, like underneath that, what's underneath that and get to the, yeah. the truth of it, we can much more 
um, effectively respond to what is really kind of, um, you know, wanting our loving attention. And then, um, so that's just kind of on an emotional level, how to be with the, the, the purest form of what we're feeling. And then, you know, our thoughts are so, so powerful. So it's a practice I'm continually looking at is really separating my story from what happened. And so something happens and whenever we have an upsetting emotion, most often we're running some story about it that isn't necessarily true. Um, and so beginning to look at is that some limiting belief, you know, or some something like this isn't fair or I'm not enough or um, this shouldn't be, whatever it might be. And seeing is that is that a story that's really supporting me? Is it even a true story? Um, and then choosing, you know, to reframe it and reclaim it and choose a more empowering meaning that we want to give something. Um, we are definitely the makers of meaning, which is so incredible. And so it's like, how do we give it a new empowering meaning that it ultimately, whatever is happening, um, we honor the feeling. We see if the feeling is guiding us towards some change we need to take or some action we need to um, make in our lives, because there is there is a value in kind of what we call negative emotions is that it's just our body signaling us that something needs to change. And that would be um, it would be so unfortunate if we didn't have those emotions because it'd be hard to kind of know when we need to course correct to get back mm -hmm. into our healthiest selves. Um, and then it's looking at, okay, if, if it isn't that I need to make a change, it's more just how I need to see this differently. It's changing our mindset and creating a new story around this and really looking at what else is there to appreciate about this? Um, how could this be even worse? How can I learn and grow from this. I am a big advocate for just adopting a learning orientation to life and seeing that we're all lifelong students here at Earth School and no experience is wasted if we really use it to learn and grow and towards our evolution. So it's like, how can I learn and grow from this to serve my own life? And how can I use this to ultimately, you know, serve others and contribute to the world? So those are a few things. And shifting our state, I think, is so powerful, too. Um, to really shift kind of what we're experiencing emotionally. But those are a few little things. I could go out, but I'll pause there. Well, and and you had a a, a very um, powerful experience within your own life where this came into play. Um, in another talk, not the TED Talk, but I think it was Walk the Talk, you were talking about um, that you had um, some a, a certain type of seizure that was going on. If I don't know if you want to talk about this, but um, and I remember you were talking with the doctor who was doing the MRIs on you, and um, you know he was asking how you're feeling, and and you were like, I know that there is you know, there is so much for me to learn from this. You know, it wasn't like, oh my gosh, I'm just, you know, but it was like, I just want to know what, you know, what I can get from this because there's got to be a reason for it and it's got to be good, you know, and I don't know if you want to go into that, but I found that very, very powerful. Well, thanks for watching that and asking. So yeah, I, for for many years, I was having these experiences that I wasn't entirely sure what they were. It was something very unusual happening in my um, brain. And I, you know, sought out resources in many ways, and I didn't have total clarity around what it was. Um, and eventually, I actually um, passed out. I mean, I, I eventually kind of learned that I was having, they're called temporal lobe seizures. And I, um, it was December of a few years ago. And I was sitting across from my husband and all of a sudden he just saw me go over and hit the 
the floor so hard as our hard tile floor woke our son up and he, he actually thought that um, we had dropped a bowling ball. Um, he said oh. it was so heavy. He, he felt like some bowling ball and I wasn't responding to my husband. He was trying to kind of wake me up and get me to be alert and I wasn't responding. So he called 911 and um, I eventually came to, which was such a blessing. And it was also a bit of a wake up call that, that moment. Um, and what was most significant, I guess, in this kind of story that I was sharing is uh, it was kind of moments later, I got propped up on the couch and I, you know, I was just kind of reflecting on what had happened and what this could mean for my life. I was just, I never before had passed out from one of these seizures. And I just started wondering, you know, would this start happening more often? Do I have a tumor in my brain? Um, I, from all my Googling, um, which we all know, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, yep. I learned like when these, when this happens, it can be more serious and it can indicate that there's a, you know, a large tumor in the brain and, um, would I be able to drive again and would my freedom, you know, suddenly really change or however I perceived freedom, would I be able to live my calling? So there were so many questions that I was reflecting on. It was kind of instantly, um, I was brought into life review and yeah. I, I just, I have such a deep belief in, yeah, there really is like a gift in everything. And I, I felt this trust. Um, and even my husband asked me like how I was doing and I just, I felt such deep trust that there is some incredible gift in this. And it's very different than believing that things are meant to be. I honor that worldview so completely. Um, and that's less of my worldview that things are meant to be. And it's more, how can we uh, harvest you know, the blessings and gifts and things or turn them into blessings and gifts. Um, we are such powerful beings. And that's what's so extraordinary to me is that we can turn, you know, the, yeah, kind of the messes into the miracles. And so I just knew there would be a way no matter what was happening, I could turn it into good um, for my own life and hopefully for others as well. And it certainly evolved. I mean, there's so much that sort of unfolded from that journey. And yes, I did in the talk, I, I went to um, my doctor who too was, you know, kind of wondering how this was for me and how I was processing it. And um, he was just the greatest doctor I've ever had. He was so incredible. Um, and I, that was my response to him as well. I was like, whatever, whatever we discover um, I'm going to turn this into something really beautiful. And I, I'm so grateful for that worldview because it's true. I've like never found a moment, no matter how tragic, um, no matter how painful or heart wrenching that there isn't something, some little kernel, um, that we can receive to ultimately propel us forward and upward. And that is not to, uh, diminish the immense horrifying pain and suffering on our planet, um, it's just like, how do we learn from this, you know, as humanity, um, to become better people through it, to really allow it to make us better, kinder, more loving, um, whatever it might be than whatever we're witnessing. That's beautiful. And what a strength. And I mean, we should all try to apply that more into our lives and ask, you know, what is there to learn rather than, you know, getting stuck in the story. Such a good reminder. Yeah. It's funny too when you talk about the story because you mentioned that too, and and how much the story plays into our capacity for joy and the blocking of joy or the um, you know, keeping it at bay. And um one of my students yesterday sent me a link to something to do with a 
what we'd been talking about in class this week. And, and um, it was talking about how the emotion itself, when you find yourself with a strong emotion, it really, studies show it only lasts like 90 seconds. I think, in yeah. fact, they referenced <laughs> Jill Bolte-Taylor, who yes. you have a connection with, right? Yeah, but she's incredible. That the the emotion itself, if you pull back, it lasts 90 seconds and the rest <sighs> of it is the loop and it's the story. Yeah. And so if you oh, find yourself gosh. holding on to it longer, <laughs> it's because you're inviting it back in and you're looping it and you're creating this story around it. And that was really powerful to think about, like the raw reaction mm. to it is that quick. Yeah. And then it's that human capacity to keep wanting like, oh, yeah, what? Wait, I, I was feeling uncomfortable. And why was? Oh, yeah, because, you know, and we pull it back in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But this is also where I would like to say that meditation is so powerful mm-hmm. because I can only see in my own life, you know, how something would perhaps destroy a whole weekend for me mm-hmm. a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And now it can be like an hour or maybe 30 minutes. And, yeah. you know, before it's like. Oh, why? Why am I still in that? You know, yeah. <laughs> or you know, you can also learn if it's something with another person that triggers you. Instead of you know just going with the story, like, oh, why did he or she did do? Why did she not do this? Like, does she does she not like me or what is it? And like, immediately you know, bring it up. And I like I've seen relationships transform so much. It's just we're so scared of opening up and being vulnerable, but when we dare to do that. Yeah. Whoa. Like, yeah. It takes a whole new level, the relationship. It really does. And even if, you know, the other person doesn't really understand or meet us where we hope to meet them, we have grown, right? Yeah. Just by opening up. So, yeah. And to your point, too, Christine, from earlier, where you were like, what's beneath that? Okay. So, what's beneath the Mm -hmm. anger? And then what's beneath the the fear? What's beneath the embarrassment? But it is like, you know, there are these like, more rudimentary like I think fear for example is beneath so much and but it's but it's hard to get there because it's hidden you know it's not like the first thing that shows up it's not like oh they didn't um you know they didn't show up and so I'm angry because they didn't do what they were saying they were gonna do it's you know beneath that there's the fear of okay are they gonna go or you know what does this mean? Am I going to be alone or am I going to be, um, you know, there, am I going to be able to, I don't know, whatever, but it's, it's the, the fear beneath all of that too, that is so, so controlling, but so hidden and sneaky. It's so (laughs) hidden and sneaky and it's so true. I know whenever we're yeah, triggered. It's usually right because it's like some part of us feels threatened. So um, I love and resonate so much with what you both shared. And yeah, yeah. so that's the power of yeah, meditation and kind of self-reflection and self-awareness. Yeah. Um, so, yes. And Dr. Jill Bolte-Taylor, she just to like celebrate her, she's she's actually lives here in Bloomington, Indiana, which so. is such a yeah. blessing to have her nearby. And she's a dear friend and um, I highly recommend she has a TED talk and a New York Times bestselling book on my stroke of insight. Um, and that's that 90 second rule. She does speak about it in that book. Yeah. Um, yeah. She's, she's amazing. And, and so also Alessandra Christine is in Bloomington, Indiana, which is where I went to university. So 
this is so um, I've heard Bloomington Bloomington coming up a few times yeah yes <laughs> <laughs> yes so and I think mm. Dr. Um, Taylor is has a is she a professor or science yeah she's she's not right now she's okay. writing writing her second book oh okay exciting. okay good. <laughs> but you know ah that's something to remember Ninety seconds of the emotion. Mm-hmm. The rest is just the story. Hmm. Yeah, I know. It's... Yeah, on earth. Yeah. <laughs> and I just want to share. I mean, this is the practice. It's not that. This is the practice of, um, for me, like kind of tapping into our joy potential. Is is that it's not that we never go into story or that I never go into story. That it's like how to spend minimal time there and let the time that's spent there be time that is ultimately enriching and awakening. Um, and then shift out of it. Um, but the the goal in life is never not to go there. I don't know that that would be possible. It's like to spend minimal time there and yeah. um, to really choose. It's like, it is so precious what we allow into our minds, into our brains, and to choose those thoughts so wisely because um, I'm there's three like really amazing things that happen with every thought we have that I'm oftentimes sharing when I lead joy um, potential retreats and with my clients and my own, my own life practice. And the one is like, whatever we focus on, we feel. So whether the story is true or not, it instantly generates this cascade of emotions. Uh, and then the second thing is whatever story we're having, whatever thought we're having, we instantly see proof of it in the environment around us. One of my favorite parts of our brain is called the reticular activating system. It's the acronym is RAS. And I love this part of our brain and what it does. It's this bundle of um, nerves in our brain stem that whose job it is to show us whatever it is that's important to us, like to filter out all the unimportant information and reveal to us what's important. And the way that our brain knows what's important is whatever thoughts we're having. So if we're having thoughts for how um, there are, you know, there's beauty around us or we're looking for things, whether they're tiny little things or bigger things to really savor and appreciate. Our brain is going to scan and find those and filter out the rest. Or if we're looking for things to criticize in others or ourselves or our lives, we can spend the rest of our life, you know, doing just that. Um, So we find evidence of it. We instantly feel whatever we're thinking. And then we also train ourselves to have those thoughts more readily. So every thought we have, we make it more likely we're going to have that same thought again. Mm -hmm. So it's just, I'm so grateful for how we can kind of wire our brains that way and how important every thought is. Um, in some ways. So would that be connected to why gratitude practice is so powerful? Because we start to look for things to be grateful for? Exactly. Yeah, we naturally have what's called a negativity bias and it's part of our survival wiring. And so it's like if you had a hundred dogs that were super sweet and friendly uh, and then one dog that bit you, we tend to remember the dog that bit us because if there's any chance of um, us, like our survival being threatened, our brain wants to really hold on to that to prevent us from getting hurt again. Uh, and so Dr. Rick Hansen, who's done a lot of research in you know, the field of positive psychology and the neuroscience of happiness, he uses the analogy that I love, that our brains are like Velcro to negative experiences and like Teflon to positive experiences. And again, this is for survival. And it also shows up what we've all had the experience that we might receive 10 compliments or positive things, but one criticism. <laughs> and right, what do we do at the end of the day? Like ruminate on that one criticism. And again, mm. that would suggest that we have some weakness. And so our brains are like, well, if there's some weakness, we want to overemphasize that. Uh, and so the way that we override that 
um, and develop a positivity bias is to hold the positive things in our brains for at least 20 seconds. So it takes 20 seconds for those things to stick, whereas like a, you know, a critical thought or something that we perceive as a threat um, has instant impact. So it just instantly sticks. Um, so yes, the practice of gratitude, whether like in the moment to really appreciate um, whatever it is to be so deeply present with it and really take it in. There's a practice of like savoring, which I just love. Um, Brett or my friends will be hanging out with me. I'm like, this is a beautiful moment, like savor, 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 because we could have the most incredible life. But if we don't see it as such, it just like zooms right on by. Um, and then afterwards, like when we're going to bed, you know, just scanning our lives to receive those gifts. That is really beautiful. And uh, coming back to the, like, if you if you get stuck after the 90 seconds of emotion and then we get into the story, do you have some practical tips on how to start shifting the story when you, when you see that the story is leading you into a bad place? Yeah, so I, one kind of tool, I call it the magic and. So mm -hmm. we would share whatever we would naturally share. So maybe it's like, I'm so frustrated because... I, whatever, something didn't go our way, either we got stuck in traffic or something happened at the office or our, you know, kids spilled something or our husband didn't unload the dishwasher, whatever it might be. So I'm frustrated with that. So just to like allow ourselves to be with that and, and then adding on um, how it could be worse. I think that we learn so much from contrast. So to kind of step back from our lives and look at, okay, right, this is all relative. Um, so um Let's let's go with a maybe kind of frustrated because our partner didn't follow through on something or help out in some way. So that's the frustration. And uh, my partner could just not have even come home tonight or uh, been being dishonest about something and looking for something we also appreciate. You know, and I also appreciate that he um, sent me a message and said, I love you or what was working today and supporting all of us or whatever it might be. So that's like where we can step back into the abundance and not hyper focus on, um, what's wrong. We want to look for all, like most of us are doing most of the things in our lives, right. And mm -hmm. so, but it's so easy just to focus on what's wrong or missing. And so to zoom back out and look at all there is to appreciate, um, what can I learn from this? So it's like getting curious, like, oh, I wonder how I can communicate it, you know, in a way that, um, you know, he could hear better. Or I wonder, like, just looking at, is there anything, is there anything, you know, that's different in every situation, but is there anything that we can learn from it? And how can I do it differently? So in the future, it could be, yeah, how can I um, maybe have this conversation in a different way? Or, um, you know, how can I maintain my own inner peace more? So these things, like maybe this is an opportunity for me to you know, start a spiritual practice or meditate more so that these things don't affect me so much um, to kind of use it as like as a catalyst, like, oh, this is really upsetting me. So this is a perfect opportunity, um, an invitation for me to really tend to my own self-care and well-being or whatever it might be. Um, but I think those are some things like looking what there's to appreciate, um, how it could be worse, how what can I learn from this um, and how can I use this to benefit myself and others. That magic and uh, I find to be really helpful, like really reframes our story. When I'm working with clients, sometimes we'll look at really challenging things that happen in their lives. And part of the process is creating a new empowering meaning, you know, like we can kind of choose what file we put our past into. Is it the file of this happened and it was terrible and I was, you know, abandoned or I can't trust people or do I want to like look at the story again and, 
kind of use the magic and and create an empowering meaning that when we say it, it actually inspires us and it opens up possibilities um, and it helps us create the life we really want rather than keeping us stuck in what was. Does that kind of give you a little? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Really helpful. Yeah. Thanks so much. One of the things as you've been talking about the way that the brain works and then also just listening to you in general and and feeling um, the response within me, um, it reminds me of in the in the Reiki training you talk about, and I'm trying to remember now what it was, it's with the metronomes. And I think of it as um, sympathetic resonance, but that's not what you called it. Um, what did you call it? Entrainment. Entrainment, yes, yeah. <laughs> which I find really fascinating. And um, and I'll let you speak to that if you'd like to. But it um, it's just another one of those mysterious things that is sort of happening in the background that um, that I have really felt as we've been joined here where I'm, I can feel like a, <laughs> a response to your energy, but, um, do you want to talk about entrainment? A little bit? Sure. I'd love to talk about entrainment. It's like one of my favorites. Oh, so <laughs> the implications of it are so huge. So yes. thanks for bringing that up. Yeah. It came from me kind of researching. So I've been just blessed to be you know, teaching and sharing Reiki for many years now. And I love, sharing the heart and the spirit of healing. And also I love understanding like, how does this work and why does it work? Um, to sort of appeal to our left and right brains. And so it was in my researching, like how does it work that I came upon this law? It's a physics law of entrainment. And the kind of physics law is the tendency of two oscillating bodies to eventually sync up with one another, to entrain to one another. And it was actually a Dutch physicist that first discovered this and what he um, was noticing like grandfather clocks, the pendulums will eventually sync up with each other or women and their menstrual cycle um, oftentimes will sync up with each other if they spend a lot of time together or um, like a heart transplant. When one heart is transplanted into another body, we actually rely on the law of entrainment for that to be effective. Or if you walk into a room and everyone's laughing, we just notice that we start to you know, laugh for our mood shifts. And so, so that's entrainment. And in the Reiki training, I showed this video, which I just, I love this video. It's um, these metronomes, um, this, I think he's like 32 metronomes, this man who's shooting this YouTube video, you can probably look up 32 metronome synchronization or entrainment. And he hits these 32 metronomes and they're all just kind of going in different directions and at different um, speeds. And then after like a minute and a half, most of them, they've synced up with each other. And by the end of, you know, four minutes, they're all perfectly in sync. And so, um, so it's this tendency, um, for, again, two oscillating bodies to sync up with each other and for um, the lower vibration tends to match the higher vibration. Uh, so I love that. And so in treatment, in Reiki, what we're doing is practicing different breathing and body awareness techniques that really elevate our vibration. Uh, and you can see vibration from kind of a, you know, like woo energy healing, which I'm, I'm all about. And you can see vibration just from kind of a scientific standpoint. Um, so we're raising our vibration to then help um, our clients or whoever we're sharing Reiki with to raise their vibration to greater healing and wholeness where kind of healing is accelerated. And the implications for this, I think, are just tremendous. We humans, we are, we're kind of social animals. And so we impact one another so much. And it's it's really easy. And I have so much compassion for this when we're around um, some people who are struggling or maybe our coworkers who are complaining or whatever it might be to kind of sync up with that or you know, just being in a world where people are judging one another, 
um, or complaining about things, like just to sync up with that. And instead, you know, we're kind of in training to that. It's like, how do we, my mantra is like, be the metronome. Like, how can we entrain to the energy of love, to the energy of joy and kindness, and just invite others to sync up with that? And so that's mm -hmm. part of my daily practice. I just like come into prayer position and really entrain to the energy of love. Um, and so that's, that's that I think there, yeah, the implications are, are enormous in our lives that that's my like loving celebration and support to anyone to be really clear. Like, what is it that we are in training to? Cause if we're not consciously in training to something, we are unconsciously in training to things and to get clear. Yeah. What do we want to be our metronomes in life that we're syncing up with? Well, and I think that weaves so beautifully in with joy potential because it's clear with what you're talking about with how so many different people from so many aspects of your life have, you know, continuously asked, like, is this real? What, how are you doing this? And, but clearly like it's having an effect on them. And I think it shows they feel better being around you and it's, um, because they're being pulled up by the higher vibration. And then it's like, wait, how can I have this more <laughs> when I'm not around you? Sorry, Alessandra, what were you about I'm... to say something? Well, I just wanted to ask, I mean, I know from my own experience also how me and Carl get to know each other um, because I feel this now with you both. And this is how me and Carl get to know each other. We started to meditate together, even though she's in U.S. and I am in Sweden but you feel the magnetism between us. And especially when you come together as a group, you feel that. And I've met people that I first got to know through online connection. And then you get to know them, you get to see them in their physical form. And it's like, you know, this is not the first time we yeah. meet, you know, <laughs> we already know each mm -hmm. other because the energy is connecting. I don't know, have you any, I, I only have the experience. I don't have any scientific facts about it. Or have you studied or do you have anything to comment on that? No, I just, I love that you, yeah. Kara, were you going to share something? Oh, do you mean about the magnetism? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not, not that we have to have explanations to everything, but I yeah. think you can just experience it and feel that it's true. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and beyond, I, I love when that happens too, with even people that you're meeting for the first time and you're like... Mm -hmm wow, you're so yeah. familiar or, you know, yeah. this feeling is familiar or, I mean, it was kind of like with Christine as well when, when like we first met and then it was like all these different avenues that were like coming together where I'm like, oh, and you know this person and you know this. And then I go to the training and one of my students was there <laughs> too. And, you know, it's just like this convergence of like, mm. I don't know. It's really beautiful when when those things happen and mysterious to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it, it is. It's so, it's so beautiful. And I, I feel that with the two of you, that, that familiarity. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, I think we can see that in, you know, in different ways, just those kind of kindred spirits in the world or those people that reflect back to us, you know, a part of our true nature, either what we're wanting to cultivate more of in our lives or um, just reflect back to us, our essence um, it's such a, it's such a profound feeling, mm. those other beings where we feel this sense of home, um, and we feel more like ourselves in their presence. And I, I wish that for every human to like find those other beings on the planet where we feel, um, at, more at home and more like ourselves around them. And there's, 
there's a, our mirror neurons. There's like more research kind of being done about our mirror neurons, but that's like another part of um, kind of these uh, part of our brains that we reflect the internal state of those around us. And it's so important. And I know that this is, comes from a place of privilege because not everyone has the opportunity to um, select who they surround themselves with. And for those mm. of us that are so fortunate to have that freedom to be so intentional about about who we do surround ourselves with because we're truly reflecting them. Like we become so much more like the people we're around. I mean, it's both I talked about entrainment. I think that's piece of it is how do we cultivate our own energy and consciously choose like what aspects of ourselves we want to grow and kind of lead our lives and what we want to sync up with in the universe. And then also to surround ourselves with people that we just feel better. We feel uplifted and inspired mm -hmm. Um, being in their presence. So I have no doubt that two of you are that for so many people. And I feel so uplifted in your presence. So thank you so much. Oh, well, thank that's you. so kind. But so, that's also something you can do. I mean, nowadays there are online communities. Again, that's mm -hmm. how me and Cara met. Yeah. And so you have that ability. I mean, I was in a in a position where I just had a baby and but I, I really need that support. And so I just signed up to this online course and suddenly I was in this online community. I had no idea how this was going to transform my life. You know, not that there's something wrong with people around me, but I just had moved back to Sweden. So I had to start a new network because a lot of friends had moved away. And this online community really transformed my life because, mm -hmm. again, you know, even through the distance, and that's also the power of the group because, you know, some days I might show up there with a lot of joy, yeah. a lot of love. Some days I might be the sad person and someone else, you know, just by attuning to the group, yeah. attuning to your soul friend, kindred spirits, like you said, you, you yeah. uplift each other. Mm. I love that. And you're so right. Now, online communities, like there's just kind of infinite possibilities for connection there. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, Christine, you touched on um, when you were talking about entrainment, about Reiki. You started to kind of go in there. Um, can you step back and just uh, in case anybody who's listening is not familiar with Reiki, do you want to kind of give a high level overview of what that even is and I'd how you so got involved to. with it? Sure. Thanks. So Reiki, um, which is from Japan, it's actually um, two Japanese kanji characters, Rei and Ki, and Rei refers to uh, universal or um, loving or divine or spiritual. It's it's practiced by people of all spiritual traditions or no spiritual tradition, but the Rei is kind of this universal, and then Ki is life force energy, so it's synonymous with um, Chi or Prana, so depending on the name of different traditions, but it's you know, this universal abundant life force energy that's here and um, life-giving and available to all of us. And in Reiki, we tap into this life force energy um, in our own beings to uh, really channel it to be a source of healing for others. Um, so it involves really light touch. Someone stays fully clothed while we're sharing Reiki with them and we place our hands really, really lightly on the body. Uh, you can actually do Reiki with your hands above the body, the way that I teach, I usually recommend very, very light touch because touch is just offers so many other benefits, but it's very light touch. Um, and you usually are in a position for like two to five minutes per position. And what happens is that it puts the body into like the deepest state of relaxation where healing can 
uh, most readily occur. People might feel a sense of warmth. It's a really common sensation that someone will feel like there are multiple hands all over their body when they're receiving Reiki. They may feel tingling or the energy moving because in energy healing, we're working with um, energy and it's subtle, but it's actually palpable. So people whose nervous systems are either sensitive or become more attuned to the energy, you'll feel energy moving throughout your being. And one of the kind of basic principles of energy healing is that anything that has a pathway in has a pathway out. And so in Reiki, what we help to do is any place where we experience um, any physical, mental, emotional challenge, ailment, it's because the life force is not flowing readily there in a balanced way. So if the energy is depleted, Reiki helps to replenish energy there. I oftentimes see it as like plugging into the infinite battery charger of the universe. It is hands down my own personal favorite way to replenish. When I receive Reiki, I'm like, oh my gosh, I get so filled up so quickly. So wherever we're depleted, which many of us, it's kind of an epidemic, I think of depletion for many many of us humans. Um, and then any place where the energy is just like stuck or blocked, it helps to restore the natural flow. Or if there's an excess of energy, um, for example, if someone's in their head a lot, um, working really hard, there might be an excess of energy. So it helps to kind of clear that and rebalance the whole system. Um, so from an energetic level, that's basically what's happening. We're restoring the natural harmonious flow of ki or chi throughout the body. And when we're naturally balanced, that's where the greatest healing can happen because our, our bodies are so brilliant. And when given the, the right conditions, our bodies long to heal. So it really mm. creates the optimal conditions for our bodies to heal themselves. So it accelerates healing and Reiki is now practiced in hospitals all over the world because there's been so much research done when people receive Reiki before and after surgery or procedures, um, how much more readily and quickly they heal. Um, but it's great for um, for any sort of healing goes to kind of the root of whatever's there. You don't even need to know, but Reiki just turns on our healing our healing abilities when you receive it. Uh, it's great for pain relief, for immune boosting. It's great for anxiety and depression and um, any sort of emotional kind of peace and well-being. And so good just to reconnect to our spirits to kind of come back home in a world where, you know, there's lots of doing um, and a lot of output to like come back and settle and calm our nervous systems. There's so many benefits um, and it's just blissfully relaxing. There's a it term is. we oftentimes <laughs> use in workshops. It's like, you feel like you've been bliss bombed. It's yeah. so funny. People, <laughs> I just like delight in seeing people after they've received Reiki because it's just like, there's such an innocence and preciousness of like all of our defenses have melted away. Um, and just that softness and like that settling into our being, mm. um, I, I know that's what happens when I receive Reiki. I just like, I feel like I'm in such an altered state of bliss and, and total peace. So I'm so grateful that I, um, I learned Reiki. It was 16 years ago. I was living in California. Uh, I'd graduated from Indiana university and I moved to California and I Go was Hoosiers. doing a year. And I was doing a year of AmeriCorps VISTA, which is sort of like domestic Peace Corps. Uh, I was working with individuals who were experiencing um, homelessness and had been diagnosed with some serious mental illness and um, had such a life-changing year out there. And I met this woman who did Reiki and I had never heard of Reiki. I didn't know anything about it, but there was like something about her, something about when she'd speak about it that I just felt that spark inside of me. And I have kind of devoted my life to following that spark because I find that our intuition never leads us astray. 
And so I, I'm a circle junkie. So I, I created a women's circle out there and invited her into it. And I'm so grateful that she accepted the offer. And we ended up circling together and got to know each other very well. And um, I would hear more about Reiki. And I just always kind of felt my body light up when she would talk about it. So she ended up offering to do an apprenticeship um, with me. And so we met every week and I learned so much and it just completely changed my life. And it was, it was undeniable. I was living in California. I was in Monterey, California and attending so many workshops and I just love growth and learning new things and trying on like what resonates, what doesn't. And it was so undeniable. Like my mind would, um, now I'm so thankful my mind is relatively calm. Um, and at the time I did not have the tools and the practice that I have now and I had much more racing thoughts and my monkey mind was much more active. And I would notice when I did Reiki, it was like, oh my gosh, it just like allowed me to go to that place so quickly. And I felt such deep peace and healing, like my mind just um, settled. And then I started sharing it with people and headaches would go away or sinuses would open up and they too would just tap into this peace that's available. And there's something so beautiful about sharing that kind of sacred moment with another human where we're tapping into like the infinite love of the universe. Mm. Um, and we're all kind of syncing up with that together. So it changed my life in so many ways, uh, more ways than I will share now. But I just came back. Um, I had fallen in love right before I moved to California with who's now my husband. So I ended up moving back to Indiana to be with him and just devoted my life wanting to really share this healing gift. And there was something about working with individuals, you know, experiencing homelessness that I was really struck that we all have these healing hands and that it doesn't discriminate. Like it, it doesn't matter what age we are, what our, our educational background is or socioeconomic background is or cultural, whatever it is. It's like we have this innate ability to heal with our hands. Mm -hmm. And we all sort of know this, like when we have a headache, the first thing we tend to do, right, is like put our hand on our head or a tummy ache, like we place our hands on our um, on our stomachs, or if a child falls, we kind of run over them to want to like hold them. And so we're hardwired for healing and Reiki just allows us an opportunity to um, just that much more effectively, like really tune into this energy and into our healing gifts um, and offer it in a way that it's, we really know no limits for what it can do. I've witnessed some remarkable things in myself and I love teaching so much. I fall in love with Reiki uh, I think with each person that I share it with, because it like how it's expressed in each unique being um, has its own unique beauty. Yeah. Um, so I'm just kind of in awe and a forever a student of it. I it's, feel like I just received the Reiki treatment here, <laughs> just by connecting with you guys. I know. I'm going to sleep so well yes. this evening here in Sweden. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's interesting, too, because um, my experience with your um, training sessions was that you kind of, so you tap into your innate abilities to heal, and there's like this sense of connection, and you're kind of tapping into something much greater, and um, I'll share a story from the, the last training that we did where um, I was paired up with this woman who I didn't really know. She's very sweet. Um, and we were working on um, intuitive scanning. And so I, I scanned her first and I kind of picked up a little bit. We were kind of working with the chakra system and I, I was sort of picking up where I could feel it stronger than other time than other places or whatever. But, but that was kind of it. And then we switched. And as I laid down, I saw this sort of shaft of light and it was almost like a sword 
of light like come down into it looked like from the sky to the earth and then there was like this green vine crawling up amazing and so and then like as she did her scan on me because so we weren't doing reiki per se we were just doing a scan but as she scanned down eventually i was seeing this like bluish purpley tunnel but it was like a track like on top it started kind of as a track like a semicircle, and then it eventually developed into a tunnel and so we were sharing like then we we finished up and we were sharing what we had experienced and I was like well when I was um scanning you I felt this and but it was really just about where I felt the energy more and then I was like oh and by the way when I laid down then I saw this the shaft of light, and she started completing my explanation. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, it was like this sword of light or this shaft. She's like, yes. And it had this green <laughs> thing that was, and so she's like telling me, and then she's like, it was over here. And she pointed over to my left and I was like, oh yeah, it was, it was like for me also, it was over to my left over where she had pointed. And so that was very interesting because that doesn't happen with me very often. Like I'm not like a, I don't have a lot of talent in that <laughs> realm of like seeing, perceiving things like that. And then I told her about the track and the, the um, tunnel and she was like, I was the last person I was working on explained the same thing. So she was like, yeah, I can't remember who it was, but whoever she had worked on like two hours before had told her the same thing that I described. And uh, so I was really blown away by that. And it really felt like we were, as a group, really kind of tapping into something more universal than individual. So on top of the healing, I mean, they go hand in hand, right? But it... it my point with that is just that, like, when I talk about how it really went way above my expectations, like, I thought I was going to get some techniques to learn how to use, like, a healing modality, and it just really tapped into something much greater than what I was expecting. It was really, really beautiful and powerful. Thanks so much for sharing that. What a magical moment. I love just, like, those undeniable you know, evidence of how we're all so connected and how like there's so much more that's possible than I know I can like possibly wrap my heart or head around. So thanks. I love hearing that. Yeah, it was really beautiful. So if people want to learn more and interact with you, what are some of the services that you offer? Because I know, obviously, I know about the Reiki training. I know also when I've talked to Wendy um, about you, one of the people who led me to you, she was like, oh, have you ever done a consultation with her? And so I know you did some sort of consultation that she raved about, and I'm not clear about exactly what she did with you or what you did with her. But um, what are some ways, what are some ways that people can connect with you? and, and mm. learn from you. Well, thanks for asking. So I, as a Reiki training on the Joy Potential website, um, it will share more about if anybody that's looking to kind of tap into their own healing gifts and I do private sessions. So I, I am 
just fortunate to have clients who are all over the world that I see over Skype or Zoom or here at our, our kind of healing center um, where I love. I've been trained in various kind of coaching modalities and energy healing techniques and mind-body practices. So um, it's really, it's like whatever's holding people back in any area of their lives, really getting to the core um, of whatever those old outdated imprints are. Um, so we can live in congruence with who we really, truly are and who we're stepping into. So we're not living out of old, outdated, um, you know, fears or judgments of ourselves or others or old experiences that are no longer serving us. So I I love I, I love living in the land of kind of infinite possibilities and helping people expand into um, whatever their heart's desires are um, in any area of life. So I've been, yeah, had a prior practice for 15 years or so now. So uh, yes, I see clients individually and couples as well. So my husband and I, we run, it's called the Center for Thriving Relationships. He's a he's an amazing therapist. And so we see couples also who are, um, you know, struggling with communication or just one of those gridlocked issues that, you know, they find themselves in again and again and again, which every relationship has that kind of recurring issue and how to finally like kind of find the off ramp and solutions that really work for both people into how to hear each other in a whole new way and really understand um, what's really going on and how to um, kind of reconnect as a team and reignite the spark and most effectively love and support each other. Uh, so I'm I'm passionate about relationships. I think there's so much healing in the world. It's the one area of life that I find that we probably have the most unnecessary suffering and where like the greatest love and joy is possible, whether it's our romantic partnership or with our kids or friends or colleagues. Um, so much becomes available when we can learn to, we can find like that pathway that connects our hearts to one another when we can come together in a way that multiplies what we're able to do and who we're able to be. So we do couples coaching and counseling and uh, couples retreat. So we lead a weekend called Thrive in Love. Our next one's coming up uh, Valentine's weekend, but we lead that um, in Bloomington and Chicago. And we're going to be expanding to California. Uh, and we love, we've, I guess we've led other places as well, but those are the upcoming ones. And that's kind of the what I wish every couple on the planet had when it comes to having a great relationship is what Brett and I, we both had done so much individual work and um, in our own spiritual practice and just both have a passion for kind of human transformation. And yet in romantic relationships, it's so humbling. Uh, it was for me because it's like, it's like a whole different skill set um, than what, than being kind of an individual. And so we've been together 17 years now and are now in the marriage of our dreams. I'm, I'm so thankful. Um, and a few years in, um, we definitely hit our power struggle, um, which is kind of that inevitable phase that every relationship goes into. So it was through our own process of developing a conscious relationship that we realized we could not share this with the world. And so we then, about 10 years ago, opened the center and um, we love, love, love working with couples. Um, so couples retreats. And we have an online program that launches in a couple of weeks, this Thrive and Love online course. Uh, and we have a team of coaches here. Um, so we are fortunate to have just an incredible team of coaches. So we do training for coaches to become thriving relationship coaches, which we love. And then joy potential. So I, um, there's a weekend retreat that's awakening your joy potential. And it's kind of a mind, body, heart, spirit immersion and how to reawaken joy um, and reorient our mind, you know, towards happiness and kind of reignite that light within. So I have that coming up at the end of January. Um, and then I usually do that a couple times a year. So those are a few and of the things that I have. You have a retreat in Bali, if I remember correctly, too, yes. right? Yes. 
Yes, yes. Uh, thanks for remembering that. So that's called Divine Joy. <laughs> and that's one of my soul sisters, Matisse Scow. She's incredible. Um, and she and I, it'll be the second time we've done it. We're going in November of 2020. And Bali is like just one of my favorite places on the planet. It is so heart-centered. It's more than any place I've traveled. It's uh, a place where like the sacred is so present in everyday life and really actively nourished and where there's an awareness of our interconnectedness. Um, there's so much heart and love in Bali. So we, it's kind of that, that entrainment, like bringing people to a place that models that so much. And it's all about how do we um, bring that back home to nourish the sacred in our everyday lives and to feel the sense of divine joy when we do so, when we live with like much greater intention and meaning. Um, so yeah, that's coming up and we have a couple spots, I think, left in that retreat. There's 25 women going, we have 20 two or 23 registered right now. So, um, so if any wow. sister feels that call, we would be so honored and thrilled to, to go on that divine journey with you. Beautiful. Mm. Oh, well, thank you so much. This is my heart's full. Yeah. Thank you so much, Christine. This has been amazing. Oh, it's been such a gift to connect with you both. Thank you for all of your thoughtful questions and sharing your hearts and just really like your light filled presence and all you do. And I, it warms my heart so much that you have this connection that you like sit in sacred space together and have that meditation practice. That's so powerful. It's really inspiring. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for sharing everything with us and the listeners. Yeah, thank you, listeners. Love to you all. Thank you so much for listening. Yes, thank you. And we look forward to the next meditation conversation.